Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for each one that has braved the inclement weather to be here today. And Lord, we just ask that you would reward us by giving us a service that brings worship to you and glorifies your name. And Lord, helps us understand a little bit more about you and your goodness and why we are assembled here together. Lord, we ask that you would bless our feeble efforts at obeying your word. And Lord, that you would give us a life that would reflect your glory and your goodness to the world in which we live. We ask that our time here today, the singing of the hymns, the special music, the preaching, the offering, the invitation, each thing in turn would glorify and elevate thee. In your name we pray. Amen. And turn once again to Psalm 46, our theme verse. Last week we spent time on be still. And, of course, it is very difficult to be still in this world of tremendous activity and things. And... uh, We live in a world of incredible distraction and just trying to be still and think. And to be still, the Bible says, this is a command. Let's just read through the verse uh, together here. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, God is telling us that He is going to resolve the problems and the blasphemies and the the, uh, insults and the ridiculous statements. God is going to solve that. You know, we have a lot of people running around today trying to convince the world that God exists and And as we study the second part of this command, the first part is be still. Today, I hope and pray that I can preach about the word no. It says be still and know. Let's preface this with the question, how many of you knew something that wasn't? I know, I'm right. And you're wrong. Am I the only one that's ever happened to I mean, that's happened to every one of us. And what I want to do today is we have, because of our association with the Bible, we have a connection that we naturally make between knowledge and truth. And I want to challenge you, and I believe I can show you even from the Bible, and certainly if you'll take a moment and look around, that connection is not always made. In fact, many times, if we will just, if you'll just turn on your radio and listen to the news broadcast, you're going to hear people talking about things that they know, things that are guaranteed, things that are absolutely Beyond any shadow of a doubt. And they're not true. Not true at all. Somebody said, how do you know when a politician is lying? 
Everybody knows when their mouth is open. That's how you know. Politicians are politicians for a reason. I like the way one radio show host puts it. Put, politician is Hollywood for people that are ugly. Uh, they can't get on TV. Uh, they, they cannot be put in front of a camera. But I'll tell you, the most dangerous place to be on a weekend is between Chuck Schumer and a camera. I mean, don't do that. That's worse than between a Baptist and dinner time. Uh, you just don't want to be there. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get hurt. Uh, because people want to tell everybody what they know. And, and uh, so much of what we know just ain't so. And I use that word on purpose. You see, the word no in its various forms, knew, knoweth, knowledge, known, knowest, and possibly a few others, is found over 1,309 times in your King James Bible. The idea of this word know and knowledge has many different meanings, and we're not going to try to go into all of those different meanings this morning. What, what we're going to try to do is establish what is actually being meant, what uh, a true biblical understanding of this verse that says, Be still and know that I am God. That is a command. Uh, the, if, if we'll take just a moment, if you're still there in Psalm uh, 46, the, the overall theme of this psalm is God is our refuge, verse 1, and strength, a very present help in trouble. Uh, verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen rage, verse 6, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth mounted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Look at the last verse. Verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. If we could only understand how much God wants to help us, how much He wants us to understand His love and His care, how much that God wants us to live. And yet, 90% of religion is motivated by fear, is it not? How many of you used to go to a fear-based religion? You don't do what we say. Now, they don't do that from the pulpit usually. They have much more sublime ways of doing it. You need to understand that if you don't attend and you don't partake in the ceremonies, you're going to miss out on God's grace and you'll miss out on eternity. I met a guy one time. He says, I'm a Catholic, but I don't care about the Pope and I don't care about the priest and I don't care about confession. And I, don't... I said, would you mind going down to your priest and telling him that? I would like to see his response. 
Because if someone walked in this church and said, Now, preacher, I don't care about the Bible. I don't care about anything that's in it. I've only got one question for you. What in the world are you doing here? I mean, it's not that we're going to throw you out on your ear or something like that. But if you don't care about what's in the Bible, you don't want to know what's in the Bible, this is not going to be a place that's very pleasant for you because that's what we're about is teaching what is in the Bible. So you tell me you're a Catholic and you don't care about anything that makes the Catholic Church the Catholic Church. I, I got to question you. Uh, what, what is your purpose? Why do you use that? Te- I know my grandfather, he immigrated from Italy as a 17-year-old boy in 1905. And up until the week before he died, he was Catholic, 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 Catholic. Why? Because it was... To him, it was part of being Italian. But when he actually stood at death's door, praise God, the old preacher gave the testimony that he was in an oxygen tent dying, and he said, and he went and gave him the gospel. And asked him, said, now, pup, do you believe Jesus Christ died to pay the price for your sins? And he said that he nodded yes. He couldn't speak, but that's the only hope I have that I'll see my grandfather on the right side of eternity. Uh, I hope and pray that story's true. That Grandpa was actually believing on the Lord Jesus Christ instead of trusting in something he never partook in his whole life here in the United States. And you see, the Bible is about knowing things. And as I've already tried to illustrate, and I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on it, you could know things that aren't true. And so let's just take a moment here, and I need you to listen very closely. I have three short paragraphs here from the Oxford English Dictionary defining the word know, what it means, uh, because actually the word know is one of those little words with huge definition. I mean, books have been written on knowledge, what it is, what it isn't. And the first definition, main definition, is to perceive a thing or person as identical with one perceived before or of that which has previous notion to recognize, to identify, sometimes with again, also later and with for. And so what the first definition is to perceive, is to be able to recognize something. Say, I know you, I know your name, I've met you before. That is the idea that is here. I know the reason why we close the windows when it's cold and it rains outside. How many of you would agree with that? Because we don't want the cold and the rain inside. So therefore, we close the windows Uh, That is something we know to do. In fact, uh, if someone uh, leaves the doors hanging open, uh, one of the phrases that my mother used to use all the time is, what do you think? You were born in a barn? Close the door. And uh, we didn't have a barn. We just had a little three-acre plot. Uh, But my, my mom wanted us to be reminded in no uncertain terms that The house was not a barn, that this was a house and the doors were supposed to be closed. And we were, and we knew that. It was just, we were careless with our knowledge. We understood. We recognized. 
Okay, the second definition is to be acquainted with a thing, a place, or a person. To be familiar with by experience or through information or report. Sometimes it means to have such familiarity with something as gives understanding or insight. To know like a book. The third definition is to have cognizance of something through observation, inquiry, or information. To be aware or apprised of. To become cognizant of. Learn through information or inquiry. Ascertain. Find out. This is what the word know means. Sometimes we have to learn things. How many of you have learned how to drive in New York City? Uh, it takes special skills. You don't, my children have found out the hard way. You do not drive in New York like you drive in Oklahoma. It's very, very different. And if I have my preferences, I'll take New York any day. It may be uh, confusion. It may be congestion. But I can at least have some idea what the guy in front or behind is going to do in Oklahoma. You have no clue. I mean, it could be Farmer Joe that's been driving a tractor around the field and he's on his way to McDonald's and uh, uh, he just, what are those little white lines? I, I know how to keep it between the rows of corn, but I'm not going to worry about anything. Nobody's telling me where to drive. I mean, it's scary sometimes out there. And, and uh, the simple truth is you have learned. So you would say, and when people... Often get pastors, and I, I, when we have the MRI or some of the special things, we invite pastors in and say, I'm just afraid to drive in New York City. And my first thought is, you probably ought to be. <laughs> because if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know where you're going, you can get in a lot of trouble really quick. You can. I went into a, a garage several years ago. And said, labor rate, $60 an hour. For advice on how to fix your car, $75 an hour. To actually fix your car after you have tried to fix it, $150 an hour. And we, we laugh at that, but you have to understand. It takes a whole lot more work to fix something when somebody who thought they knew what they were doing tried to repair it. Because now you've got to undo all the things that they did wrong and start all over again. It's, it's not fun. But these are the ideas, these are the definitions of this word. No, the Bible tells us to be still and... Trying to put last week's sermon in just one simple sentence is turning over the direction, the, uh, the impetus, the momentum of your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's allowing His direction to move you at His time and His pace. That's what be still is. You're not moving. God is. I've loved to put it this way. God loves you so much that you cannot get saved 
unless you come to him just the way you are. But he loves you so much, he's not going to let you stay that way. The problem happens is when we start trying to change ourselves and make ourselves acceptable to God. That is the seed of all false religion. You have got to let God do the changing. That's what be still is. Now, it says be still and know. This is still a command. Now, as we look at this thing, we've gone through the definitions. We've given some humorous examples. I, I saw some people laughing and, and hope you, that you get those. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You see, knowledge or to know something demands a few things. The first thing it demands is perception. If, if you're going to know something, number one, that means you don't know it before. Now, I know that's astounding and that's very deep. No, it's super simple, isn't it? But I've heard people say this all my life as a pastor. Oh, I've always known God. That's not true. There's a lot of things you don't know. There's a, you had to learn everything. Somebody had to teach you how to eat. Somebody had to teach you how to walk. Somebody had to teach you how to talk. You had to learn all of those things because you didn't know before. Sarah called yesterday. Emily just rolled over for the first time all by herself. And that's always a blessing when the little ones start learning those things. And, uh, and, and you know, after the first couple... It starts getting more frightening than exciting. But that's another subject. We'll keep moving on here. Romans chapter 1. And we're just going to start in verse 17. It says, For therein, talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And we can go on, but we'll stop right there. This passage tells us that there is not a human being that has ever lived that was not brought face to face with the reality of God. How many of you have ever been away from the city lights and looked up into the sky at night? I'll tell you. Even with all of our science and all of our uh, ability to see 
deep into space. They think they have measured the outermost limits of our universe at 13.5 billion light years across. Now stop and think about that. Light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And it would take 13.5 billion years for light to travel from one side of the universe to the other. That's what we think. You know, our numbers have been getting bigger over the years. Uh, but we still can't count the stars. I know if you call that guy on the radio, he'll name a star after your loved one and record it in copyright form at, at the <laughs> Library of Congress. Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. If you want to do that, fine. But nobody can number the stars. We're still finding new things all the time. In fact, Pluto is no longer a real planet. It's a dwarf planet. And they found another one that's right there beside it. And they can't figure out whether it's really in our solar system or not. It only revolves around our sun, but that doesn't really count. Oh. If we would only be honest about what we don't know, it may be a gateway to find out what we could really know. You see, we look up into the skies at night and we see the incredible universe. And I hope you don't mind hearing again my favorite statement is, Who but God could waste so much space, so much time, so much matter to stick one little planet somewhere in the middle of it and put us on it. Only God could do that. And you see, these people who believe in evolution, these people who uh, are atheists and, and don't believe in God and... They all know. Why would they have to proclaim they're an atheist? Except they think it. Oh, I'm going to shock that preacher. I'm an atheist. My thought is, be stupid if you want to, but why tell me about it, you know? I mean, you you can... Uh, and I've even done this. Some of you remember the story. He's out street preaching. A lady comes by and she says, I'm an atheist. And I don't know why, but I hope it was the Holy Spirit. I said, but are you an honest one? I've never met an honest atheist. And she turns around and says, oh, I believe in God and keeps right on walking. I'm saying, you can't dream this stuff up. You couldn't write that if you were trying to write fiction. Nobody would believe you. But it actually happened right over here on Steinway Street. Because the atheists know that there is a God. It's just they do not want to perceive Him. How many of you sat through algebra class in high school? How many of you could still pass an algebra test today? My hand's not up. I'm just showing what to do. Because high school was a long time ago.
You see, you learned enough algebra to pass the test. But if you really knew, you'd still be able to pass the test today. If you had a use for it. You see, you can know there is a God. How in the world did our world end up exactly the right distance from the sun to give us all of this wonderful life on this planet? Venus, they tell us the average surface temperature on the sun side of the planet is over 800 degrees and it rains sulfuric acid. Not quite hospitable to life as we know it. And that uh, the planet Mars... They keep talking about inhabiting the planet Mars, but it only works if you want to live on Mars like you would on the moon. Uh, In an enclosed case, uh, everything has to be there. There's not enough oxygen in the atmosphere of Mars. There's not enough heat uh, to support life as we know it. That's why it's a dead planet. There's nothing there in spite of what NASA says. And, And they're still seeking for water. Isn't it amazing that our planet is the only place in the known universe where water exists? And yet, they write about the moons of Saturn that have water. No, they don't. It's liquid methane. There's a difference between liquid methane and water. How many would agree with me on that? Uh, the temperature of liquid methane is about 200 degrees below zero. You stick your hand in it and hit it with a hammer and it will fall off in little pieces. It's not something that you really want to be. You don't want to go swimming in a sea of liquid methane. And yet they call it water. It's not. They're lying. Because in their realm of knowledge, they cannot accept Life only being here on earth, because if it is, then something in this book just might be true. And if it is, that means I've got to listen to it. And I don't want to listen to God! So I'll pretend he doesn't exist. You see, if you want to know something, you have to perceive it. You have to look and you have to take in. Now, it wouldn't take anyone any real perception to understand that the oak pews on which you sit were made by man. Because they don't look like an oak tree. They're flat. They're shaped properly. They are finished. And we even added padding Several years ago. And so, we understand that man had a part in taking the trees and making them into the pews. And yet, as simple as that process is, we say that the pew had to get here on purpose, but the tree that produced it is an accident. That's nonsense, my friend. We talk about the human body and all of its intricacies. I read an article that says, The DNA in the average moth 
is 63 or some over 50% compliant with the DNA in human beings. Could I challenge you that missing percentage takes up an awful lot of information? Would, would anybody want to argue that point this morning? You see, you have to look and understand if you're going to know something. You've got to perceive it. You've got to allow it to come in. The, the thing that we might say next was that knowledge demands thought process. The Oxford English Dictionary uses the word cognizance. It uses the word that cognate, that you've got to think about things. Uh, when you were a little baby, I remember when Sarah was little, we were out with a preacher friend of ours, and, uh, and he said, uh, she doesn't drink through a straw. I said, oh no, she's too little, she doesn't know how. He said, I'll teach her while we're here at McDonald's or Burger King or what it was. And, and he taught her how to drink through a straw in the next ten minutes. Uh, it was it was fun to watch because he was just like he had his own little grandbaby there and and making things happen and uh, you know what I learned how to teach a kid how to drink through a straw. How many of you have actually thought about drinking through a straw this week? You, you do it all the time. It's something you know how to do, but somebody had to teach you. I've seen little children. When they were first learning how to walk, we had one that was stubborn in particular. Took his first step at like seven months old and didn't take another one until he was 13 months old. (laughs) He was like, oops, I did this by accident. I'm never doing it again. It wasn't because there was a lack of knowledge. There was a lack of desire to learn. And you know, that's where a lot of people in this world are. It's not that they can't know. God has painted his image all throughout this universe. And and we don't have time, but uh, no matter what God has made, the more you examine it, the more intricate it becomes. You take the world in which we live and all the varied life forms. It's amazing. But then you get out of the microscope and you find out there is a whole world that's just below the threshold of what we can see. And praise God, some of those critters are absolutely horrid looking. But then you get out the microscope and you'll find out that all those little critters walking around have little critters living on them. And then you go down below that level and you get into the cell level and all of the interactions that it takes for just one cell, let alone the 10 trillion that are in your body to exist. And then you can go on the atomic level. And yes, we've learned how to manipulate atoms to destroy entire cities with one bomb. But we still can't explain it. We can do a lot. Yet when it comes to this book, we 
or not are willing to take the thought process that is necessary to know the God who assigned every page with his love for us. Can we say amen to that? Or oh me? Look at Psalm 8, if you would, just quickly this morning. Psalm 8. The psalmist here, David, says in verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And he talks about, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained praise. Verse 3, When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers. And we come down here to verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Could I tell you that one of the things that you need to know, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God is you need to know something, that there is no God that even approaches to the God that's described in this Bible. There is no God that was invented by man. If you study, and I don't recommend that you do, but if you study the Greek mythology, there is one thing that you will be impressed with. The humanity of the gods. How utterly human and depraved human their desires and their uh, actions and their beings are. Uh, You study the Hindu gods. And uh, I don't know that much about it, but I know the story of the one where the the god was, uh, the son was, his head was cut off. And so the god grabbed the next thing to it and took the head of an elephant and stuck it on the body of a man. They believe that. Now, what kind of God would do that? You know, when Jesus met death, he conquered it. He said, come back. He came back. You see, the Bible is different than the gods. And there are times where God says, Prove me, Malachi. Just listen, I'll read the verse. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now God was speaking to Israel, Malachi, the last prophet. He said, Prove my word. You be obedient to my word. Now we got name it and claim it and preachers running around saying, listen, you give God a $10 bill, he'll give you a $100 bill back. That's not what that passage is talking about, my friend. That is utter foolishness. God is not a slot machine. But he says, you be obedient to my word, my way, and I, We'll bless you. How many of you have proved God in giving to Him? You've given, and God has blessed you. I'll tell you, the Word of God is true. When Jesus was feeding the 5,000, He said to His disciples, Feed them! And here's what John's testimony was. And this He said to prove Him, 
For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. He knew that Andrew and Philip were going to find a little boy with a little lunch and that he was going to take that little lunch and feed 8,000 people with it. Only God could do that. You see, the disciples were supposed to get the knowledge of his deity through that act. But if you'll read the whole passage, they didn't get it. That's why he had to put them on a boat and let them row halfway out in the middle of the night and get stuck in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, tossed with the waves. And then Jesus himself walked out on the water and scared the living daylights out of them. Why? Because he wanted his disciples to know who he is. God will do whatever is necessary for you to believe in him if you will surrender to believe in God. Sometimes it takes a while. It takes a while to peel back the layers of deception and self-deception. But knowledge, to know something, it takes cognitive power. You've got to think about it. You've got to be willing to perceive it. You've got to look at things. They tell the story of a place in Texas, I believe it is, where uh, a river was running through and all of a sudden the erosion of the river broke open some rocks and there were dinosaur footprints perfectly preserved. There's only one problem. Inside those fossilized dinosaur footprints was a perfect image of a human footprint. The only problem was it was about that long. I'd hate to meet the guy that had a foot that big. But those who understand these things, podiatrists and anthropologists, and different joint formations determine things. An ape does not walk like a man. These perfectly formed, 100% extra huge, human footprints, other than their size, were perfectly identical to what you and I have on the bottom of our legs this morning as we sit here in church. Well, a man that believes the Bible looked at that. Well, the Bible does talk about there being giants. And the Bible does talk about men. And the Bible talks about the earth only being 6,000 years old, not 4.5 billion years old, so that men cohabited with dinosaurs is not a big problem. They said they brought an evolutionist down there to look at the same thing. And here was his statement. I don't believe it. And walked away. You see, it went against his knowledge. And this brings us to the last point. You have to choose your facts. You have to make a willful decision in what you want to believe. And this is part of the problem with our nation today, why we have two completely separate Americas. I was in the grocery store last night, just walking. I heard somebody say about vote, and I didn't vote for either one of them. And I said, well, when you don't vote, 
You're actually casting a vote for the person you like the least. This is one of the store managers. He looked at I knew him, and he looked at me. He says, yeah. He says, you're right. And the conversation went on a few sentences. He said, but I think, I think Egan, uh, he didn't even remember his name, and, and, and Manhattan endorsed Trump. And the lady was sitting there and said, no, he couldn't have done that. I said, well, I said, I don't know whether he personally endorsed Trump or not, but I do know this. As a Catholic priest, he would have, a real, he would have to have a very difficult time with Hillary Clinton's love for murdering babies. And the lady was sitting there going, oh, oh. Well, yeah, you have a point there. How do we have people in this country that believe the most important health care item is the ability to murder an unborn baby? Listen to the news. That is the number one reason why they're scared of the appeal of Obamacare. And the number one reason I found this out, I was just reading through some uh, uh, news stories, and it said, now the Trump's ban on these Muslim countries is overturned. LB2T, the alphabet people, can actually come from those countries. I want to question you, how many people of that persuasion live in those overtly Muslim countries. It's less than 1% here in the United States of our population. Honestly and truly. How many of those people live in, in Syria? How many gay nightclubs do they have in Syria? Does anybody want to venture a guess? I'm thinking that it's zero. Would you agree with me on that? Because they're throwing people off buildings and chopping off heads for that kind of behavior. You don't go around advertising in a Muslim country those things. That's not the reason. You see, people choose their facts very carefully. Global warming. If you really believe in global warming, I want to challenge you. You're either a victim of false information or you have chosen your facts very carefully. Because man-made global warming exists on Earth and Jupiter and Mars and Venus. They have tracked the actual temperatures and they have found out that global warming does exist. We're not arguing global warming. What we're arguing is the source. Now, if you can figure out how a Chinese factory or my church van out here produce global warming on Jupiter, I'd be willing to believe you. Uh, But the fact is, it comes from the sun and there's nothing you can do about it. But if you want to choose your facts to make yourself the savior of the planet, uh, put on your uh, Captain Un-America outfit or whatever you want to call it. I hate America. Uh, You can believe what you want. We believe in a freedom of choice. 
But they don't. Now, let's go to uh, James chapter 3 here. The Bible tells us, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.21. The book of James chapter 3, and we must hurry, verse 13. It says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter, bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. See, knowledge demands perception. I've seen people. I've read people. That have written, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, those words mean that God loves the world, but we know that that's not what God means when He says He loves the world because He loves only the elect that He has chosen. That's a Calvinist writing. Who refuses to perceive the words that are there. Anyone who calls himself an atheist looks up at the sky at night and refuses to perceive what God has printed in this universe. But you do have to think about things. Because there are many different religions and there are many different choices. And God wants us to prove and to know. See, I didn't grow up as a Baptist, as you well know, if you've been around here very long. I grew up in a non-denominational church. Praise God, I can tell you today that that church has since then changed their attitude about that. And they call themselves today an independent Baptist church. If you were to call up and ask them what kind of church, they'll tell you right off. This is an independent Baptist church. And I thank God for that. Uh, I became an independent Baptist my sophomore year in Bible college because I realized that I'd gotten baptized after I'd gotten saved. I mean, before I got saved. You have to get baptized afterwards. So that doesn't count. And so I surrendered to biblical baptism. And when it was time to be ordained as a pastor, I wanted to be ordained as an independent Baptist because I wanted to identify with a church that had a history of teaching only this book and nothing else. And that's why I'm so particular about our name and how we, and how we believe and what we believe. Because you have to choose. I choose to believe that this book is God's Word and there is no error in it. 
I choose to believe that if I will just pay attention to what the Bible says, and every word in this Bible drives me to that one phrase right there. It is finished. You see, 90% of religions that call themselves Christians don't believe those words. Because you go to church, you call yourself a Christian, you do what they tell you to do, and they will give you a hope so. Now now listen, if you partake of the seven sacraments and you follow the, 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 uh, uh, well you can't partake of all seven, but if you partake of the sacraments as much as you are allowed and, and you follow in the church, and you're born in the church, and you're buried in the church, and we give you the last rites, you have the opportunity to go to purgatory and take care of whatever you didn't take care of. Many of you have been in in that church before you came to this one. Well, if that is true, and you have all these things to do, and then after you die, you have more things to do, how in the world could it be finished? The one that astounds me the most are the Protestants. They go through and, well, just do the best you can and God understands. Oh, that boils my blood. How, how, how ignorant is that statement of everything that is in the Bible? God understood our sin enough to send Jesus Christ to a cross to pay for every sin that was ever sinned. And when he said it was finished, he had paid for every sin. And we must come to him and believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ to be saved. The Bible says, These things have been written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye might believe on the name of the Son of God. Most modern churches have ripped the guts out of that verse. Oh, we want you to believe in Jesus. You can't really know, but we want you to believe in Jesus. Well, what good does that do? The Bible was written so you can know your eternity is settled. And you have to understand that nothing else really matters or works in the Bible. How in the world can I extend goodness and love to another human being if I'm taking advantage of your pain and your tragedy to earn me points with God? If I'm getting to heaven by doing good works, that's what I must do. How evil is that? How wicked is that? To take advantage of other people's pain and other people's sins so that I can push myself closer to God. What kind of God is that? It's not the God of the Bible, my friend. You cannot know that kind of God because He is movable and changeable. 
And that's the kind of God the world wants. They want one that they can manipulate into their own form. One that they can make do what they want to do. The God of this Bible will never sacrifice what is best to please you. God will never lower His standards one Whatever adjective or noun you want to put in there, or series of adjectives and nouns, God will not lower His standard to meet you. He wants to raise you to the level of His standard. And the only way that works is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Be still. And know that I am God. You see, knowledge puffeth up. How many of you have met a really smart person that wanted to let you know how smart they were? It's always a pleasure to be around such people. I know you're so smart, but why do you have to make me feel like I'm mentally challenged just to be in your presence? The world is full of people like that. You see, this book tells me that Jesus loves me. That God so loved the world. That means the world means everybody. That Jesus died on the cross That whosoever, that means anybody, will believe in Him, should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to challenge you. If you don't know that, you do not know God. If you do not have the issue of eternity settled, the Bible says that is the first step. That is what brings you into a relationship with God. If you don't know that, do not pride yourself on your Bible knowledge because it is worthless knowledge. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry because hopefully I can shock you into stop believing in the foolishness of this world and choose the facts that the Bible presents. Without having your eternity secured, you do not know God. Period. You can't. All you have to do is perceive. You have to be willing to believe that when Jesus Christ said it is finished, that he actually finished paying the price for your sins. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the only answer. But you also have to be willing To accept what this book says about the rest of what this book says. You know, I've often talked to new Christians who have just professed faith in Jesus. Said, well, today is the greatest day of your life. You believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know something? That's just the beginning. God's not going to tell you everything. But you know, if you're only willing to believe those parts of the Bible that will get you fire insurance, keep you out of hell, 
That's not Bible salvation. Bible salvation is a total surrender to God and His Word. You say, how, how can I... Well, just stop and think. Let's do a little cognizance. Who would you rather trust with your eternity? God or yourself? Not trying to be rude, but how smart do you think you are? How much knowledge do you think you really possess compared to God? I willingly surrender to Him. Because I knew I didn't have the answers. And I'll tell you, every answer that I've checked in this book is 100% accurate. Not only is it good, it's what's best. Don't get somebody's book if you don't want to learn how to raise your kids. God's already written his book. If you want to know how to deal with problems with other people, don't get somebody's book. Get God's book. If you want to know how to live righteously in this wicked world, don't get somebody else's book. God's already written his It answers the questions. It answers every question that you could have in life. You see, knowledge without something to limit it will eventually become what we call sophistry. Useless pride. We've often joked about our Bible colleges that they're the greatest repository of knowledge known to mankind because the students show up knowing everything and leave knowing nothing. See, they think they have all the answers when they come. And then they start learning the Bible and they say, well, you know what, i got a toolbox that I'm going to spend the rest of my life working on so I can learn how to live for God. And utter dependence upon this book and upon the God who gave it to me. Be still. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. Stop trying to be in charge of your own life. Stop trying to be in charge of others' lives. Please. Know that I am God. Do you know that you're saved today? Do you know that if you were to die today, you'd wake up in the presence of God? I'll tell you, there's nothing more comforting than knowing that. And I, I challenge people, if you want to do something good for your family, you let them know. Before you die, that you've trusted in this book. It is so hard to preach a funeral when someone has left a very meager or no testimony of their relationship with God. It's terribly difficult for me. But when I know someone is saved, even if their life didn't turn out the way it should have, you see, I know a God that's merciful and forgiving. And I know a God that paid for every sin. And He will never reject His own even when we make a mess of things.
See, there's no God like the God of this book. There is no truth as simple as believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. By the way, that works for salvation. It works for every issue in your life. You see, that's why you have to be still. You have to stop doing things yourself. Making things happen. I'm not one of those people that waits for things to happen. I make them happen. Not going to do you any good with God because he already did it. It is finished. You can't finish what he's already finished. You got to stop trying. And you got to surrender to him. But it's going to take your entire life effort to know him. And I will promise you this. The better you know him, the more you will love and help other people. Can't help it. And this is the love of God. And this is how we know we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. Stop worrying about trying to help someone. They probably don't need the help near as much as you do. That's one of the chronic symptoms of a disordered person. Is they're all the time trying to straighten somebody else out. If you'll be still and know that I am God, God says, guess what? You won't have that burning need to straighten out everybody else's life because you'll begin to see what a mess your own is. And as you do that, guess what? You are coming to the knowledge of the only one who can actually straighten it out. Be still and know that I am God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would help us grasp these truths, to know them. Lord, that you would work in hearts and lives this morning. That we would not have someone who would close their mind and their heart to the truth that is in your word. But they would be willing to know you and who you are. We pray that, Lord, you would give us both boldness and humility. To approach unto you and find that which we need, whether it be salvation, whether it be help in a time of need, whether it be some great turmoil in our life, some great burden that is crushing us, that we would be able to cast it at your feet. Lord, we ask that you would work in our hearts and lives, that truly, We would worship you this morning by becoming more conformed to your image, by knowing you more 
not by what we say or just what we think, but by what actually is happening in our life on a daily basis. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we sing the hymn of invitation, if you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you would like